Hello, ladies. So here we are again today, and I'm so excited to be with you all. Um, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you, and Father, we need your help. We need your strength. Lord, I pray for each lady here today that you would just touch her heart, Lord. Help her to know that in times of a crisis, she can turn to you, Father. And Lord, I pray these things in your precious holy name. Amen. All right, so today I want to talk to you about women who have hope during a crisis. And I want to start out with some biblical examples, and then I want to give you some modern-day examples. So let's start out with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now I wanna stop right there and say, in those days, it wasn't like it is today. She wouldn't have shown up on a TV show, 16 and pregnant or something like that. It was a huge deal. And as a matter of fact, if you read the next verse, you realize how hard it was on her soon-to-be husband. It says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example, her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. He was ready to walk away from the marriage. It says, but while he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear thou not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We know that Mary was probably looked down upon by society. Her body was 100% given as a sacrifice to God so that the Holy Spirit could bring forth the Lord Jesus Christ through her. So you see a calmness in her and a trust of the Lord when the crisis hit her. Okay, the next lady I was thinking about for crisis, and there is a lot of Bible ladies that went through different crises, but these are ones that really just touched my heart a lot. And so the next one I think about is Leah. And look over at Genesis 29. Genesis 29, right in the front of your Bible, first book of the Bible. And if you skip down to verse 16, and it says, and Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Notice what it says about Leah. It says Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. So Rachel, the younger sister, was the one that everyone looked on, was so pretty. Whereas Leah, tender-eyed, maybe, maybe a little sad-looking, maybe not as physically pretty. And we know that Jacob was so 
interested in Rachel, the younger sister, that he was actually tricked on his wedding night into marrying Leah first. Um, and the next verse says, and Jacob loved Rachel and he said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. Can you imagine being married to a man and all he's thinking about is your younger sister? How difficult would that be? I call that a crisis situation. Um, if you look at chapter 29, also verse 30, let's go there. So now seven years have passed and Rachel now is also his wife. And verse 30, it says, and he went in also unto Rachel and he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet another, uh, yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. I want you, as I read these next few verses, I want you to just think about Leah, the hated sister, the one that wasn't as pretty, maybe not as um, favorable. And think about her with me. <coughs> it says, and Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. She thinks that by having a baby, it's going to turn everything around. Poor Leah. Next verse. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I was hated. He hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again, she thinks she'll be loved because of the son. The next verse, and she conceived again and bare a son and said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him these three, three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Ladies, here's a lady who over the years, over and over and over again, hated by her husband, not treated as good as the other sister, and yet she still gives honor and praise to God. I have to say Leah was an amazing lady. If you look over in chapter 30, the very next chapter, look at verse 13 with me. Verse 13 says, And Leah said, Happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. Verse 17, I know I'm skipping around. You should go back and read these, they're great verses. Verse 17, and God hearkened unto Leah and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. And look at verse 19, and Leah conceived again and bare Jacob the sixth son. And Leah said, God has endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me because I have borne him six sons and she called his name Zebulun. And afterwards, she bare a daughter and called her name Dinah. You know, ladies, Leah knew how to not put her hope and trust and faith completely into her husband, but she put that hope and faith and trust in that crisis into God Almighty. And that's what we need to do as ladies. Our hope ought to not be in a person, a man, a job, 
or circumstances. It ought to be in God Almighty. Um, Abigail was another one. Many of you know the story of Abigail. Uh, let's turn over to 1 Samuel and verse 25. 1 Samuel 25 and verse 3. It says, Now the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. So you see this godly lady who's married to a man that's churlish and evil. Um, and so he makes a bad decision, Nabal does. And verse 4, And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. They weren't doing anything wrong. They just needed some food, some sustenance. But because of Nabal and his bad attitude and his horrible ways, it wasn't going to be good for Abigail, Nabal, and their family. Um, if you look down at verse 9, And when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the words in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men who I'm no nots when they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. There was going to be a great war. And Nabal and his family were probably going to be slaughtered. And yet Abigail, with God's wisdom packs up all kinds of food for them, gets everything ready, and takes an um, offering to David. Uh, look down in verse 18. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs, and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. So she went to make amends in this crisis. And then if you go down to verse 23, Then Abigail saw David. She hasted and lighted off the ass, and fell before David on her face, and bowed herself to the ground. And she fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be. And let thy handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. You know what she did? She went to make sacrifice for the foolishness of her husband. And God gave her the wisdom to do that. And God gave her a peace about doing that. How else would you go up to a man with 400 angry men with swords ready to fight your family? 
um, she was given wisdom by the Lord. And if you skip down to verse 28, now therefore my Lord as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord has withholden thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself with mine own hand. Now let thy enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. So David was willing to call off the men to uh, give peace in the whole situation. And we know that later on, she became one of David's wives after her husband passed away. Um, and she was considered a woman of great wisdom. Uh, down in verse 30, and it came to pass when the Lord have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel that this shall be no grief unto thee nor offense of heart unto my Lord. Either thou hast shed blood causeless or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. David was grateful for the wisdom that Abigail had. She got that from the Lord. It didn't just, oh, let's just do this. No, the Holy Spirit of God spoke into her. Make sacrifice for your husband. Make an offering. Go to David. Go humbly. Get off. Bow yourself on the ground. Those were suggestions by the Lord in an extreme crisis when they could have been slaughtered. I think also of Esther in the Bible. Um, and, and many of you know the story of Esther, but remember, the Jewish people were going to be put to death. And Mordecai had asked Esther to hold her peace. And then she was told that the Jewish people were going to be put to death. And she said she would ask everyone, all of the Jewish people, to fast and pray. And she would go before the king. Go back and read the book of Esther in a, a remarkable uh, words of how God saved the people alive. And she went before the king after those days of fasting and they went to a feast and later she told her husband, the king, the truth that Mordecai had, I'm sorry, um, Haman had set them up to be killed and later on those same gallows that were going to hang Mordecai, her uncle, ended up hanging Haman. And not only that, but the Jewish people, that decree was wiped out. It was no more. The Jewish people could go on living in the land like they should. Um, think about the Shunammite woman. When her son died and the prophet of, uh, the helper to the prophet of God <clears throat> came out and said, basically, is everything okay? And she said, it shall be well. And she went in before the man of God, you know, and God brought her son back to life. She didn't panic in a crisis. She trusted God with the right thing to say and to do. 
There's so many other Bible examples of just calmness and peace in the midst of a crisis. Why? How does that happen? There's only one way, ladies, and it's the same for the ladies way back in the old days as it is for us today. And that's a walk with the Lord, spending time with God, getting to know Him, getting to learn the sound of His voice. And, you know, who's whispering those things in my ears? Is that really what God would want me to do? Or is that Satan trying to trick me into saying and doing and reacting the wrong way? If it's get all upset and scream and yell, you know it's not the Lord. You know it's not the Holy Spirit of God. God says a soft answer turneth away wrath. You never should yell back. It won't do a bit of good. Um, and, and so I want to talk to you about some crises that you may face in your life. Right now, I think all of us are facing the crisis of the pandemic. Um, but it could be that, that would be for right now, the pandemic. Um, it might be a natural crisis that happens. Um, earthquakes, flooding, uh, natural crises that happen to everyone. And yet the Christian reacts differently to what God's doing in our lives than the unsaved person does. God may lead you and guide you in an unusual way. God may ask you to give hope to others through the crisis. <coughs> I don't know about you, but in America, we saw all kinds of panic in the grocery stores when this first all hit. I mean, you walked in and the rows for um, toilet paper and hand sanitizer and face mask and everything that you could normally get with no problem and most of it you didn't even want or need but you walked in the grocery store and those shelves were wiped clean people panicked and you know our first thought is oh what are, what are we going to do where are we going to get things where are we going to get supplies you know our gods has supplied every single need that we have had the fishers have not gone without one thing that we needed. And I don't know about your household, but God supplies our need. And he promises to do that. Um, a matter of fact, you can look at the, the pandemic in two different ways. You can look at it as, wow, this is awesome. I've got a captive audience. I'm getting more time with my family, more time with my husband, um, more time getting things done around the house that we really didn't want to do. Um, or you can panic like the rest of the world and get fearful and sit and watch Netflix day after day for, uh, you know, that's movies or TV or whatever, and just waste your time. Or you can use it to benefit. You can do some things with some of the family members that you hadn't gotten to do before. I know for me, I got my bedroom painted. Um, a couple of my girls went over and painted the room and I watched their children for them. And it was a great day. We had so much fun. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but 
only God will show us what we need to do or say during a time of crisis. Uh, like I said, you know, try to look at the best. Look on the bright side of things. Um, a lot of how people will look back and remember this pandemic was how mother or grandmother reacted during this crisis. Um, if you look at it and just say, you know what? God's in charge. And I, I know I've told my family, like, I am not going to be scared to death. I'm going to be wise. I'm going to do what's recommended. But at the same time, I'm going to trust God. Because the absolute worst that can happen is I die and go to heaven before everyone else. And I just have to trust that the Lord knows that if my mansion's ready and that's where he wants me, I'm going to trust him with that. Um, so learn to appreciate the little things of life. And you might think, oh, I just can't even wait until we can go to uh, church service and not wear a mask or the grocery store and not have to put that on or, or a restaurant. I'm thinking, you know, they need to make like a straw, ho straw hole in those masks so that we can take a drink, you know, or, um, you know, a, a little fork thing that you pick up so you can stick your fork in there, you know, and I think, why not just go with the flow, you know, learn to just trust God with it. Um, okay, let's talk about some other crises that you may face. What about you spend your life raising your children and then you have one that's wayward, one or maybe even more than one, and it breaks your heart and you spend years, sometimes 10, 20, 30, 40 years praying for that child and, and lifting them up before God. And you have to be so careful because you can't let it affect your relationship with other children in the family and other church members and other people. We need to realize that we have to almost compartmentalize that and pray for that person, but life has to go on. And I always had to, I guess, tell myself that our children are God's children. From the time we dedicated them as little babies to the Lord, we had to realize that those are not our children, those are God's children. And I believe that he loves our children even more then my husband and I love our children. And so during a crisis of not knowing if your child will come back to the Lord, you've got to stay faithful. You've got to trust God. You've got to not say negative things about them or tear down their reputation, even if they're doing things that you don't approve of. You know what? Take it to the Lord. Don't take it to everyone else and put them down. Um, I personally don't want a family that is destroyed over gossip about someone, anyone. L least of all, my own family. You know, those are the ones that we should be the most cautious with. Um, don't think on how bad they are, but think on how 
God must be doing a work in their life, even when it might not look like it. Um, I think of the prodigal son's father. Remember him standing out there with opened arms when the prodigal son was, it says, yet a far way off. And there he was, the father was waiting for him to return. He didn't see him, but all of a sudden, a little tiny, little tiny glimmer as it grew and he got closer and his dad was there waiting for him. We ought to not give up in crisis over family members that have gotten away from the Lord. Whether it be a child, whether it be a husband, whether it be a parent, a, a church member that you've worked with for years, don't give up on them. If God is in them, God will continue to work on them. Trust God with that. Okay, another crisis that sooner or later may hit each of us, and that's the crisis of losing someone you really, really love. Um, it might be a baby that you really wanted, or maybe you really wish to conceive a child and God just hasn't given you that yet. That is a loss. That is something that is very hard to deal with. You know what? You have to go back and say, Lord, I trust you with this. I don't understand it, but I trust you with it. Um, maybe you don't understand why someone that you really love has to pass before you. Um, I personally... I hate death. I hope I'm saying that in a non-offensive way. But death is so final. But yet God looks on it so differently than we do. He says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And I just remember I had such a fear about my mother was, um, had gotten cancer and she was going to pass away and we knew that God was going to take her home to be with him. And I had such a fear that I wouldn't have the peace I needed when that happened. And yet I helped her till the very, very end. I was there with her when she took her last breath. And do you know God gave me 100% of peace. It was as though the Lord just wrapped his arms around me and said, Patty, I've got her now. I'll take care of her till you get here to heaven and you'll see her again. It was, it was remarkable, the amount of peace that God gave during that time. Okay, so amazing peace and glory to our Savior when he takes someone that we love, that we wanted to spend lifetime with, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, uh, maybe a parent, I think also another crisis that many of our young people face nowadays, many people, uh, is when a child grows up in a really dysfunctional home, when there's screaming and yelling and threats and there's no normal type of household, um, when that child is raised by extremely negative parents or parents who are pulling at each other and the child's in the middle, not knowing which way to turn. And yet God can come into that child's life and can make them a whole entity unto God. 
and give that child peace and new examples of people that they can follow as good examples, as good home situations, good care and love and concern for people and not all the negatives that they grew up with. Um, God can fill that child with the Holy Spirit and they can become a great parent and they can stop that chain of whatever crisis situation they grew up in. Isn't our God an amazing, amazing God? He can totally transform that person and make them into a new creature in Christ. Um, maybe you face the crisis of physical problems. Um, and I'm not just talking about, you know, being a little extra fluffy or a little too thin, if there's such a thing. Um, but I'm talking about the crisis of maybe you live in extreme pain and you're sick and you have physical problems, physical ailments, um, or heartache, or you lack energy, and you're expected to be just as sweet and just as kind and just as patient as everyone else, and yet God knows that within your body, you're suffering. My heart goes out to you, but you know what? Even more than my heart going out to you, you have a heavenly father that cares about and understands suffering more than we humans could ever understand. And it's not just taking another pill. It's not just finding the right doctor. It's asking God who can get you through that crisis to give you peace and contentment and help you to look past the pain that you're in. I know ladies in pain that their prayer life and their walk with God put me to shame. I mean, you couldn't believe some of them, what they've gone through. If you would sit and listen to their story, you would be ashamed of how frivolously we've led our lives. Your crisis might be that your strong leader, maybe a husband or someone that you depend on, girls, maybe a father, is maybe having a rough time. Maybe when he used to always lead and all you had to do was listen to what he wanted you to do and follow his suggestion, now all of a sudden he's not able to do that. Maybe he's lost a job. Maybe he's depressed. Maybe he's going through some things with the Lord. And all of a sudden, you're realizing, I can't depend on him right now to lead me. And I need to go to God and ask God to lead and guide me and help me to carry the rest of the family through if you have a family. You know, you have to be positive. You can't just go out and tell the kids, dad's losing it. He's going to be in the funny farm before you know it, the sanitarium, whatever you want to call it, uh, the crazy house. No, it needs to be, okay, dad's going through some things. He's having a hard time right now. We need to pray for him. But 
you know, let's sit down, let's play a game, let's do something together, let's, and, and still be upbeat and positive with the rest of family. When one person in the house goes down, everyone else needs to kind of keep on going, get to church, spend time with the Lord, spend time in the Bible. Don't everybody go downhill at the same time or you got a mess on your hands. That happens a lot in the world, you see. Um, but get used to the idea, you know, especially ladies, those of you that have husbands that are leaders, as Paul got the thorn in the flesh with his eyesight, God usually takes a leader through some type of thorn, whether it be depression or illness, isolation, some type of humbling usually. And I wish I had longer to talk to you about that because we've seen it so often, especially with men in the ministry. And God uses that thorn to make them into something even greater that God can use. You can't see it at the time. Uh, we've known preachers who have gotten panic attacks and couldn't go anywhere for sometimes weeks, months, sometimes years at a time that they just, they're so afraid of getting a panic attack, they're afraid to go anywhere. And it's God. God's way of humbling and bringing them closer to the Lord. So for my last, very last illustration, I want to tell you about a lady who's a very good friend of mine. I consider her a very good friend. And for 35 plus years, she traveled with her husband and children, fairly large family, on the road back and forth across the United States, Canada, um, back and forth to different churches. They lived in trailers and RVs, and she homeschooled the kids on the way. And for 35-plus years, this lady trusted that God would take care of them as they went on the road well, this last year, God decided to take her husband home. The kids are now grown up, and they have their own families. But this lady, I said to her, how are you doing? How is it going? Do you have a piece about what's going on in your life? <coughs> and I want, I want you to hear her answer to me, because I, I thought it was um, just so amazing Okay, let me see if I can get it up here. Uh, I'm not always the smartest at this sort of thing. Okay. Um, all right. First of all, she told me, when God took my husband home, he took my provider. And so... Because of that, that makes me God's responsibility to take care of. And he said, she said, um, I want to get it for you. Oh, I know where I put it. Hold on. It's in my pictures. I put it in a picture. She said, 
Here's a thought about the statement you quoted from me, because I asked her, like, can I use that quote? Because she had said, um, you know, I felt it was God's responsibility to take care of me. And she said, here's a thought about the statement you quoted from me. Because of the way he gave during his lifetime, I had a reason to believe that I would be the recipient in reaping those rewards. I know God is gracious to everyone, but I have promised to rely on him. And then she says, and now that he's gone, I'm making sure to give where I should so that God continues to bless. And I just thought, you know, here's a lady recently widowed, spent a lifetime serving God with her husband. And now she's got to, in that crisis, she's got to have a peace and a comfort and a hope from God that he will take care of her through all the different things that she needs, through a, a home and, and food and being able to pay the bills and family relationships and all the different things because she served him all those years with her life. She feels it's his responsibility to take care of her and I 100% agree. God promises to take care of us through any crisis that we may face. And ladies, you'll never go wrong trusting God. And you'll be so surprised when you hit a crisis, how God is there for you. Lastly, I'm going to give one personal illustration of a crisis that I can't imagine that God gave me peace through. So I want to tell you about it. It was when I was pregnant with our youngest son and my girls were out on the soul winning bus. I was on my way home um, from going out ladies soul winning. It was on a Saturday. I remember that. And um, so our youngest son was baby number eight and I was pregnant with him and I had my daughter, uh, the next one up with me. I remember parking in front of my house and there was a different vehicle there that I didn't recognize. But I went into my house and the lady said to me, who's a member of our church, she said to me, your husband and boys were just in a head-on collision. She said they were on a road and apparently one of the cars veered and it was a head-on collision. She said, now you, you're very pregnant. I'm going to take you to the hospital. Well, she told me, she said, your husband wants you just to stay home and wait for phone calls. I said, oh no, like I don't wait for phone calls. I said, first thing, tell me, is everyone still alive? She said, yes. She said, now one of your sons has been life flighted. He was life flighted to the children's hospital. He had a concussion and a opening in the back of his head that was this long, um, right across the back of his head. Um, another one broke sinuses, an arm, and I can't remember what else. Um, they were worried about internal bleeding. My husband uh, 
his heel got messed up. He had to have a plate and screws put in that. Um, he almost lost the use of one of his eyes and one hand, uh, broken wrist area. Um, and then one other son got out without a scratch. I don't know. I guess he's the best kid. I don't know. Um, but my, so my three boys and my husband all taken to different hospitals. And talk about a tough thing when they don't even know which hospital one of them went to. I was very frustrated. But do you know, as soon as I said to that lady, okay, just first tell me, is everyone alive? And she said, yes. And I just said, okay, I have perfect peace. I know God's in charge and God will take care of this situation. And she's like, aren't you upset? I was like, well, yeah, I'm concerned for them, but I just felt that peace of God just fled over me like, Patty, I'll take care of it. And it was as though the weight of that crisis was just lifted off me and God just took that away. Now, I'm not saying that the next few weeks weren't rough. I'm not saying that there wasn't a lot of recovery ahead or any of that. I'm just saying God took that moment of sheer panic. What will I do? What will I say? How will my testimony be? All of that God just lifted from me and gave me 100% peace when I needed it. There's no way to describe that. But the only way you can have that, ladies, is to know the Lord, to walk with him on a day-to-day -day basis, not just, oh, oh, are you kidding? It's Sunday. Oh, I forgot to read my Bible all week. No, it's staying in tune with the Lord, talking to him throughout the day about your problems and things you're going through and trusting him through everything that you go to, through, and especially when you go through a major crisis. Your friends are going to try to be there for you, but there's no one like having the Lord be right there and lifting those burdens from you. Ladies, trust God. If I could say anything to people, if I had any last words to say, trust God, you can never go wrong with him. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would touch each of these ladies, Father. I know it's, a, it's somewhat of a scary world that we're living in right now, but Lord, you have everything under control, and you're in charge of all of it, Father, and we know that you're coming back, and you will take over, and everything will be okay in my Father's house. Lord, we're looking forward to seeing you face to face. Father, I just pray for each of these ladies that they would just trust you even more to be there with them through the hard times of life. In your precious name, amen. Thanks for being with me, ladies.